0: and welcome to Sick in the City, where Amanda and Mel, two sick chicks spilling the tea on chronic illness. We have a really fun episode today. We're going to talk all about um, working with a full-time job while you have chronic illness. We're going to talk a little bit about hot gas. We're going to talk about some tools and tricks that you can use when dealing with work um, and having a chronic illness and dealing with chronic pain and how you get through that. So ready to jump right in. So, hey, Mel, how are you? Hi, I'm good. Oh my gosh. We have just come off of a very
1: intense bachelor finale on Monday night. And yes, still rolling. Really. Yeah. And I think it's been a nice distraction for you because I know you've been dealing with a pretty tough week and I've been trying to like ah. stay updated with what you've been doing. Going through right now. Yes. And I honestly was like, maybe you should just like in bed, like while we record.
0: (laughs) I thought about it. I actually got my heated blanket and my leg pillow all set up. And I was like, maybe I'll record from the couch. I felt like that might be the right thing to do. I am just flaring so bad because the weather in New York has totally shifted. It was really warm over the weekend. Then it got cold again. It was flurrying yesterday. Yes. Which is insane. It's, it's definitely bipolar. Yeah. I, I, I heard it outside my window. I was like, is it snowing? Like it's yeah. And it's going to, again, I think uh, maybe tomorrow. So my body is not handling it well. And I am just in so much pain and joint stiffness and all these things. But I do think it's an important that we record because especially today, we're going to talk about how to deal with being in pain, how to deal with chronic symptoms while you have to work. And I think just generally, so many of us don't have a choice. And so it's about managing it and working around it. And so for that reason, I feel like I have to be an example of that. And while I wish I could just be like, screw this, I'm going to go to bed. I will not do that. You know, just I got to fight through. Well, I'm really proud of you
1: for being here. I know it's not easy. And I think that that's one of the reasons why we're so excited to do this together is because it, I mean, it is a way to kind of just get motivated to Mm -hmm. get up and tell your story and try to do something productive with your time because these things can be very draining. And I know you were mentioning like things related to spring because there's Mm -hmm. so many allergens right now and we're, we're mid spring. Like I think the first day of spring is this weekend, this Saturday. So uh, when you guys are listening to this, it's spring now. Um, Right, But what are some of those like issues going on right now with like spring people? Yeah.
0: So I think what I'd really love to talk about to your point is what's going on with people's bodies when we get into spring. So some of the stuff that I've studied in the past, being an Ayurvedic practitioner is just the way that our body reacts to different weather and different seasons. So a couple of podcasts ago, we spoke about. How people are in winter. So, we are now going into what is called kaffa season. And kaffa season is holding onto water, it's very damp. So, what happens during the spring, especially early spring, is that people start to get clogged up. They start to get very mucousy, you know, sneezing, hay fever. They start to hold on to water weight from the winter and so that's why the food that is growing and that's prominent in the spring is things like dandelion so a lot of diuretic and cleansing bitter astringent foods the way that i like to think about it is sort of like wringing out like a sponge so you're like kind of holding on to all this water you need to kind of wring it out so dandelion is really good arugula is really good um, making sure that you are taking things like digestive enzymes because you're holding on to stuff, and that means that things are kind of slowing down a little bit, and you're not necessarily digesting stuff. So, constipation is something that would be prominent in the springtime. Still kind of cold, still, you know, you're really just holding on to all this stuff, and that spring cleaning to me is cleansing your body, like detoxing, getting everything out from the winter and getting ready for spring and summer when you'll be like more having cooling things like that because you'll be sweating so much and all this stuff. So that's my, my thing with spring. And the other thing I told you, iridology is something that I do, as you know, and so I can't help myself but to read people's irises. And so the first time we met, I read yours and you have, um, a ring around your eye, which um, is darker and you have blue eyes. So blue eyed people are lymphatic people in iridology. And what that means is that you hold on to water. You also have a hard time eliminating through your lymphatic system. So another thing that's really good for all my blue eyed babes out there is dry brushing and making sure you sweat. So taking baths and making, or saunas and all that kind of stuff. So just really making sure that you move the lymph. That is another really big one as we sort of go into spring for you and also for other people that experience that as well.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because my lymphatic system has always been so stagnant and so mm-hmm. slow. And I think that's why I really try to incorporate movement in my day to day always. Um, and just like a little 30 minute walk in the morning just really gets everything moving. It helps me go to the bathroom in the yeah. morning, like, cause nothing, it's like, I'm so stagnant my body. And I think that's another reason why coffee enemas have been always so great for me. So it's exciting to like, know that my eyes can like tell you that that's yeah there's
0: a there's a reason why and we should probably do like a whole episode or segment on iridology because it's really cool and I also have a skirt it's called a skirt rim when you have the uh, ring around your iris and I also have it I don't have blue eyes I have what's called mixed eyes which are brown and blue. So it's which looks like hazel. Um but when you really get under a microscope and look from an iridology lens, you can tell that my eye is blue with brown around the center. And when you have that dark ring around the iris, it's actually a lack of fibers of the kind of fibers that are in your eye. And so that's how you can tell that people are, you know, usually cold or they kind of hold on to things and I've found that a lot of the people that I've met that have, that have an issue with sweating, me especially, like I used to go to workout classes and I remember like the instructors would be like, you're not working that hard because you're not sweating. And I'm like, no, I don't sweat. Like it takes a long time to sweat. And so that's another kind of thing. Like you're always cold. And so to your point, moving is so fantastic. And especially for those of us who have arthritis and all different kinds of things going on with our joints and stiffness, like getting that movement is just, yeah, it's, it's really, really important.
1: I feel like you and I have been kind of coming out of hibernation, like recently. I mean, the sun is out, things are happening. Both of us are finally like outside. I, you know, I feel like I talk about this a lot where I've really never dealt with any kind of seasonal depression because I've always been in Texas and but here it's like, I did not really go outside or do anything for the month of January and February. Cause it's too cold to go out and do anything. Yeah. You stay inside and suddenly like the sun comes out at 60 degrees and you're like, what is this feeling? Like, yeah, I the feel sea- like doing things. <laughs> <And> yeah. <laughs> forgot what
0: that felt like. <laughs> totally. Well, the seasonality is real in New York when you like really have those defined seasons and it's, it, you'll notice, especially being in the city that people, yes, are very depressed. It's very dark and gloomy in the winter and people are, you know, experiencing seasonal affective disorder. And that's a real thing. And then what happens is it'll be 60 and everyone will be out. So like you'll go into the city and people are be everywhere because people yeah. are so excited that it's nice out. It's, it's really cool to see that whole transpire
1: it's very fun like the energy just overnight is just changes and suddenly everybody's out everybody's alive and I'm like oh this feels great like and I fully did not want to put on a jacket or a sweatshirt it was maybe only 50 degrees not even that warm and I'm like let's take all our clothes
0: off like yeah (laughs) and just like get naked go outside like yeah and then what happens is is that in the spring especially march for for us like then it gets really cold like it is the past couple days like we were just talking about and then you're like i don't want to go anywhere this was a trick i was teased i was (laughs) lied to this is just not okay so that's where i've been and then of course the past two days i've done stuff and actually gone outside and i'm like it's not warm out anymore. It's
1: not warm. I'm going to have to get used to this because typically my birthday, my birthday is March 25th and I'm fastly approaching 30, which is exciting. (laughs) But also like I've been looking forward to this birthday for like years, ever since I felt like I started dealing with symptoms. I'm like, I feel Mm -hmm. like I am a grandma and it just didn't make sense that I'm in my twenties. You know, people who like give up alcohol in their twenties, they're like, what are you talking about? But in their thirties, it's like, no big deal. We're all doing that. We're all having Yeah. Well, everybody's pregnant. None of us drinks anymore. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, (laughs) totally. I have felt like I've been in my thirties forever. So it it really doesn't feel like that big of a deal. But in general, my birthday in Texas, the weather is always just perfect. Like I know exactly what I'm doing. I want to be outside right but here. I'm like, I don't even know. I don't know. Like, what can I do? And I'm yeah. trying to figure out how I want to celebrate. This how are you going
0: to celebrate?
1: I know I need to get a haircut and I've been talking to you about this, but I, I just, I need a haircut. I haven't had a haircut in like a year, which is just stupid um but i haven't gotten my nails done in i think 2 years now cuz the only time i go get a pedicure is on my birthday and i didn't go last year because it was at the beginning of the pandemic right 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 and my feet are like sandpaper. Like it's that is so sexy. I just <laughs> yeah,
0: I am just beyond. <laughs> Cuz I I don't do my own feet. Like I don't Yeah, I, don't. I can't even reach my feet. Forget it. I'm same way. My I actually haven't gotten my nails done either. I paint my I'll paint my own nails, but my toenails, the big joke was that the last time I had gotten a pedicure probably a year and a half ago, like same thing. I had gotten red. And so my mom would be like, are you just planning on growing out the color, like as it would grow? And I did then intentionally let it, I actually grew it off of my nails. I mean, I would clip my nails, but it would just, the color would keep going up. Yeah. So that's not really hot either.
1: (laughs) I mean, at least, you know, you're, you have good collagen, like your nails are growing. That's a great sign, Um, you know? Yeah. I feel like that's always the first thing I notice when my nails are healthy and strong. Is like, oh, I'm doing something right. Like, yeah, it's a really good first sign of like how oh, my body is doing well. Right yeah, now.
0: well, it's interesting. I I think that that's that's really a good point you know, is that you can tell how your health and your nutrients and minerals are based on what's going on in your fingernails. So it's actually hard to work with clients sometimes when they do have nail polish on, cause you can't really get a look. Um, there obviously are other things that you can see, but if you have like a white mark, uh, you know, which can be like, if you have a white dot, that usually means that you're deficient in some sort of vitamin or mineral, if your nails have ridges on them, sometimes that can show arthritis. A lot of people with rheumatoid arthritis have the vertical ridges mm-hmm. or like they're rough. And so, and obviously if they're very fragile or bendy or something like that, usually you you know need to do a little bit work of work on your nutrition. So it is a really interesting thing. To do. And I'm curious, you know, we weren't planning on talking about this, but I really want to ask you, Mm -hmm. what do you have a nail polish that you like or a brand that you like to use that is not toxic?
1: Yes. Okay. My favorite nail polish is called Zoya. And I actually Mm -hmm. learned about it originally from this non-toxic nail salon in Dallas called Pink Petty. That's if you ever visit, it's amazing. I have a friend that actually owns it and they're taken off. Like I'm so proud of them. They make all their own like bath bombs and like body lotions and it's all like coconut oil and essential yeah, oil-based and nice. It's amazing. And so they use Zoya in their salon and it doesn't smell, you know, there's no yeah chemical no toxic. Yeah. You can tell. Um,
0: I haven't used that one before. I really like Sundays. Mm. Have you heard of that brand? No. Um, they're also, I think a salon in a city and they have really nice colors and stuff. And I get it on Amazon And I really like it. I mean, I know that we're going to do an episode dedicated to clean non-toxic beauty. And I think that'll be so fun because I love that kind of stuff. But just since we were talking about nails, I just felt like it would be cool to kind of share some of that just because we're all home and doing our own nails. And I feel like having non-toxic is just an extra little, mm, you know, a little nice something, something when you're kind of doing it so that you're not also poisoning yourself through your nails. But I
1: also wanted to say congratulations for for two reasons. One, that you are now a free woman. You do not have a full-time job right. at this moment. Um, and I'm so excited. And I know you guys went out to like celebrate a little bit. Mm-hmm. But second congratulations is that you won our bet from the bachelor
0: <laughs> family. I did. I did. I love to win a bet.
1: Which is just, you know, like, I really thought I was going to win. I <laughs> I know you did. <laughs> I really thought, and I'm so devastated, but here we are. And, you know, if I have to hold up my end of the bargain.
0: I will say that I come from a family of pranksters, jokesters, like people that make bets. I always hold people to bets. Mostly I bet with Rob. Um, I don't usually take a bet unless I kind of figure that I'm going to win. Um, I am not. I am definitely a sore loser. So I, I felt pretty confident that I was going to win this one. And I did.
1: (laughs) So I have to sing a song to you guys, to Amanda, to the world. And I just figured I would do it here. So stick around for hot goss to find me singing.
0: (laughs) And you're welcome, everyone, because Mel is absolutely so talented and so skilled and she's really great. And so if if I had lost, I would have to do either bake her something or Mm -hmm. do a cat parody, which is when, when I sing about Stella. Um, But I'm really glad that I don't have to do that. So yes, (laughs) we'll talk more about it in hot Goss when we talk Bachelor because it really was a crazy episode. Lucky
1: you. But I think that easing into our topics today is Mm -hmm. pretty easy because you're fresh off of a full-time job and we both really wanted to talk a little bit about how to deal with chronic illness while you have a full-time job, whether it be in person or at home It's something Amanda and I have both dealt with for a very long time. I was at a full-time job for seven Mm -hmm. years until just last year. So it's fresh on my mind too. And I think we can kind of just start off with talking about in general, like when you and I both started dealing with symptoms while Mm -hmm. we were at a job and kind of like the judgment and fear that went hand in hand with just like trying to figure out what was going on with you, but also like dealing with debilitating symptoms yeah. at work, like fatigue and brain fog and anxiety that make our job just harder. <laughs> that make yeah. everything harder. So like, what was your experience at the beginning of all that?
0: Yeah. Well, you know, I would say that working with chronic illness is really interesting because I have been really fortunate in the fact that I have been able to do work that is remote work, so I know that there's a lot of people out there who don't have that ability. And you know, like people that work in the medical field that have to be in hospitals. You know, people that work in um, stores or work in the service industry, like they can't do that. So I will say that I have been really fortunate because when I was going through a lot of my symptoms, I was I was working from home, I was working remotely, but I still felt like I had to sort of hide this part of myself because I was ashamed of it. I was embarrassed. I didn't want to be seen as weak, Um, I did feel like there was a point where I did communicate to human resources that I wanted it on record that I had a chronic illness just to sort of protect myself, which I recommend people doing definitely communicate it if you can, but I still wouldn't really communicate it to my manager. Like I felt like I could use working from home as a way to hide the fact that I was sick. So if I was Having chronic symptoms, you know, if I was having a flare or a really bad day, I would sort of work around it. Like, we would have a lot of meetings at my company. So, like, I would, I had times where I would literally be on a call and I would mute it, like, turn the camera off and, like, run to the bathroom and vomit. Like, when I was going through my Lyme treatment and I was on antibiotics, I couldn't make it through a day without throwing up. And so, like, I, Would do that, or I would be like have something on my head because I had a migraine. Like, I would just have to deal with it, and I would never take a sick day because I didn't want them to think that I wasn't capable of doing my job because I was sick.
1: Yeah, I think that that was a big fear for me for a while. And a lot of my symptoms at the beginning felt just kind of like manageable. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I just didn't think that there was an option to not go to my job at the time. I mean, I was only 23 ish when I first started and I was working in a photo studio that was kind of like my dream job. I'm like, I mean, I couldn't dream of leaving at the time. And, right. but I, I mean, I started talking about how tired I was or like how sore I was. I started dealing with really bad plantar fasciitis. And so I had to totally like change my shoes. Cause I was standing all day on a concrete floor at a photo studio and so I had to buy like expensive shoes and go to a foot doctor and like take breaks sitting down. And mm-hmm. so I think the first time that my coworkers kind of started figuring out something was wrong was when I started saying I was trying to like eat gluten-free or like dairy-free. Mm-hmm. And this was back in like 2014-ish. Mm-hmm. And so people like give me a hard time about it at the beginning. Like I I just remember, really? they I would say stuff about how I was, gluten intolerant or like sensitive to gluten. And they're like, that's not real. Like you're just, it's just a diet, like blah, blah,
0: blah. Like just make right. me feel so insecure. and Yeah. And so like, then why would you talk about it then? Cause you don't feel like you're in an environment where you can.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And we were all very tight knit, like yeah. in a studio, you're around the same, like 10 people all day, every day. So you tell each other everything. Yeah. And it was just a big part of me. I felt like I kind of like had to hide and I felt really bad when I had to like ask to go to doctor's
0: appointments Mm -hmm. because nobody else really like did that. And right. You're young. Like other people aren't going through that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's really crazy when I when I worked in the city and, you know, because I've been dealing with chronic pain for a lot longer than I was dealing with sickness symptoms. And when I was in the city working and had to commute, it was really killer on my back. Like I, and there were times where like, I would be in the subway and I thought I was going to pass out. Mm -hmm. I didn't really understand what was going on at that point. And I remember like my parents being like, get a rolly, like a rolly briefcase, like to bring all your stuff. Cause you have to like, you know, bring everything with you. And I instead would carry something on one shoulder, like basically like taking my back, like just down, like making everything terrible because I was embarrassed to be on the subway and in the city with a rolly briefcase at you know in my 20s and it's so ridiculous to think about it now because of all the damage that i probably did to my spine while ignoring the fact that i was in pain just because i didn't want to come off as somebody who needed any help who needed any assistance who needed any support and there's a lot of damage that we do to ourselves by choosing to not communicate, choosing to not, you know, accept tools, accept things like that causes a lot of damage for us because you can potentially lose your job if you're not, you know, as productive as they might want you to be. And as a sick person, putting that on record prevents you from being able to be let go based on something that is going to happen while you're sick like brain fog or anything like that. So I think that's really important, but I will say that at my previous job I was continually pushed to do things like present and my anxiety and fear over forgetting my words and everything never went away and I and I don't think anybody really cared that that was going on, you know, like it wasn't like, maybe you shouldn't present because you're having a flare. Like I would just present and then I would be sick for three days after.
1: I think just trying to keep up with that thought process of trying to be the best version of ourselves to prove that we, we can do this job. We can do this work, even if we are sick, you know, like we're, we're still very capable of doing a good job and like being reliable and and it's a lot of pressure. And I do think that it adds extra stress. And I know something that I personally dealt with that I think held me back in my recovery for a long time was being so susceptible to like other people's energies too, Mm -hmm. like at an office, because a lot of the time, I think when people give you a hard time about something, it's just because they're dealing with something. Yep. Um, and for, I didn't understand that for, a long time. You know, I got, I would get picked on and it was all out of love, of course, but like sometimes I feel like people use that as a coping mechanism. Yeah. Um. And I remember when I first started working with my doctor, one of the things she mentioned after a couple of months of trying to recover was something that was so out of left field that I never would have expected in a million years. But she was like, I mean, we might need to kind of look into a spiritual aspect of what's going on to you. And she's like, have you ever been to an energy healer? And Mm -hmm. I was like, I mean, no, what the heck is that? And she gets somebody that just can tell you what energies are affecting you. If there's some that aren't yours that are weighing you down negatively. And so I went to see this amazing woman um, in Allen, Texas, and she did this whole series of questions and like Reading through some books she had, and she -hmm. basically ended up telling me from what she could read of my energy that the energy I was carrying at the time wasn't my own. Yeah, she was like, "You," and she asked me this without me ever saying anything about work. But she was like, "How's your work environment? Do you work around a lot of negative people?" Mm -hmm. And I was like, "Uh, yeah." And she's like, "That's what you're carrying around right now. That's what's adding to your stress." And she, she kind of did somewhat of like a prayer, but it was reading like words out of a book, kind of going Mm -hmm. through the series of helping me like visualize a bubble around myself. Right. Right. Yeah. It kind of like helped me create a bubble around my energy so that Mm -hmm. other people's energy couldn't affect me. And I don't know what exactly we did in that time. I don't understand it fully. I wish I did. We should have an energy healer on. because For sure. Definitely. I want to learn about this. Because after that, everything was kind of different at my job. I felt like a yeah. little lighter. Like whatever anybody said didn't affect me as much. And I think that that just kind of comes with time and growth and like self-confidence and self-worth. And yeah, it's just, it's really hard to, to deal with debilitating symptoms and stress and like symptoms while you're also dealing with like emotional stress and, and other people's stress at a work environment. Yeah. And like, it's tough finding that balance.
0: Yeah. And taking everyone's stuff on, like, especially people that are empaths and empathetic people. And I definitely am, am like that too. And a lot of people that are chronically ill are because we do sort of take on everybody's stuff. And as practitioners, we help people who are sick, who are stressed, who are emotionally needing assistance, and we sort of sometimes take on their stuff. And so what I've learned to do is, is two things that I find can help me. So one is a crystal called black tourmaline. And I I have, you know, studied crystals and worked with them for the better part of a decade, but I don't really preach all that much on like this crystal is gonna like heal your life. That is like the one that I will say like is just it kind of just helps protect you against other people's energies. So I would actually keep one in my pocket when I would um, work in the city. And I noticed that it would help me so much and kind of like, I would f- actually feel different when I had it versus when I didn't to kind of protect me. And then the other thing that's a little less woo-woo
2: <laughs> and a
0: little more, you know, grounded in life right now is um, doing this little exercise that I like to do called like, what's what's mine and what's, and what's theirs. And it really has taken me a long time in my life and in my healing to be able to get to a place where I understand that When somebody is upset or when somebody is talking to me or criticizing me in a work environment, how to be able to have a distinction of what is their stuff, what are they projecting, and what is my stuff. Because sometimes somebody can be speaking to you and saying something, they're projecting their emotional stuff in the middle of a pandemic when everybody is emotional, and then it triggers our emotional reaction, right. To the things that bring up, you know, stuff from our, you know, experience. And then we take it as something that maybe it wasn't. And that is also one of the reasons why I moved on from my position that I was in with the company that I was in. I mean, everybody I know is thinking like, never going to work again. That's like, not the case. Like I, I do want to work. I just want to work in an environment where I am not continually taking on other people's emotions. And that might not exist in the world that might only be working for myself. And that's fine. It's just that there's parts of your healing and of your sickness and chronic illness journey where you just have to be like, my health is more important than taking on other people's stuff. Like I have to fix me And then I can be strong enough and protected enough to be in an environment where other people have their own shit. But once you can realize this is theirs, this is mine, you can then communicate with people in a different way where you are like, maybe they're hurting. Maybe they haven't done the work on themselves and that's okay. And maybe they never will, but I'm not going to take their stuff and then use it as a weapon to beat myself up because that's what I would do. Like I'd be like, oh, I'm getting criticized and it's really their stuff, but I'm going to take it. And I'm going to be like, you're not good enough. You're not doing a good job. You're sick. And this is why, blah, blah, blah. Like, no, y- no, you are doing a good job and it's okay. If somebody else isn't happy with themselves and their performance, and that needs to be left with them. And they don't have the right to put that on you, but people do sometimes.
1: Yeah. And I think one of the turning points for me in my career with my chronic illness was going from that first job to my second job when i was like 25 i had mm-hmm. found doctors i had found healing and i got to the point where i was like i need something a little bit more flexible i need something to where like i'm with some younger people that like understand mm-hmm. my situation less people in their like 40s and 50s who don't fully understand that like food is medicine they haven't quite reached yeah. that understanding and so i found a place with people all young and i just decided i was going to be honest and upfront like mm-hmm. i don't know what got into me but i think i was just ready for change and i knew mm-hmm. i needed to see like a shift in my entire life um including in my job and so even in my application like i finally did disclose like yeah like i do have an autoimmune disease i am labeled with a disability in the eyes of a company because that that was a hard step it's yeah. like Do, am I in that category? Like, yeah. And myself in that category.
0: Yeah. And I am so unbelievably proud of you for doing that and jealous in a way, to be honest, because I, you know, I was telling you that like that, that didn't exist as, as for most of my career. Right. And when I first started applying to new jobs or I was going through interviewing processes two years ago at the beginning of my last job, is that I would, that was didn't exist or, or it did, but I didn't have autoimmune. So I didn't know right Mm -hmm. now that I'm starting to talk to people again, I'm going through this and I'm seeing that it's a disability to my own detriment. I am saying, no, I don't have a disability, which isn't true. And the reason is because I'm afraid, I'm afraid of being upfront with that. And I'm just being hundred percent honest with you and everybody else because this exists, right? Like this fear of looking weak mm-hmm. and l- having people know that, you know, you might not be able to do the job hundred percent. And I know that they can't not hire you, but that's always in my head because that's how I was raised. Like I was raised a hard freaking worker and I'm going to work through anything. God, when I, talk to my parents about wanting to go on disability. God, like two years ago or last year when I started really getting sick, it was like, we don't do that. Like, Mm -hmm. that's not what we do. And I'm like, but you are not sick. I am sick. And I might need to do this in order to be okay. But what ended up happening was I realized with chronic illness that it even if I went on disability, I would still be sick. So it didn't really, like I would come back and I'd be dealing with the same thing. So that's when it became more about management. But I do, I do think your ability to disclose that is so, so important. And I, and I kind of, you know, I'm inspired to do that going forward. I think it really did create space in my life to
1: heal. And, and it's something I just decided, like I needed to step forward into this reality in order to get to my next step. Mm-hmm. And I also wanted to go back to school. So I knew I needed to find a place that was going to like be flexible if I had to mm-hmm. go take a test or, and just finding that job was like such a huge moment in my life because it it kind of made me feel like I could start over. Like I could really be who I wanted to be. And mm-hmm. I decided to just tell people right off the bat And be honest with it, because in my last job, I wasn't like, I kept it to myself and it was really hard and I felt ashamed. I felt alone. And so the more that I opened up at my new job, the more people really started responding and connecting to it in a very positive way. And, yeah. you know, people, instead of making my lunches ahead of time and eating them in my car by myself, I was like, I'm just going to make my lunches and I'm going to sit with everybody. And ins- yeah. I was kind of insecure for a little while. Like, what are you eating? Like, oh, you know, people, everybody's getting pizza ordered for the studio, Yeah, and sitting there with like my salad or whatever. And I'm like, you know, I just can't eat that because I deal with an autoimmune disease. And if I do, yeah. it makes me feel really sick. And I think yeah. it's just finding that reason and explaining it to people made it that much easier. And the more people started talking to me about their health issues,
0: their health issues. Yeah. Cause everybody has health issues. Like yeah, everybody it's does. so true. It's so true.
1: And I couldn't yeah. believe like how much that just kind of opened my spirit up to the world. And, and then my managers started like asking me about it. Cause I, I didn't even really want to like tell them, you know, you never yeah. want somebody to know you're dealing with something yeah. that could affect your work. But then my, one of my managers started talking to me about mold, like, cause they were suspecting we had like a mold issue and, right. and then I helped them figure out like an air purifier system that in turn helped me. And like, Mm -hmm. it's just, it's just crazy. And I know that not everybody's situation can be like that, but I think it really is about finding an opportunity that, that fits right into your life. And that isn't going to make you worse. And, and like, there are ways that I know we want to talk about kind of like ways to manage symptoms and stress because not everybody does have control, but if you can, I really do urge you to like, to be honest, because I think you'll be surprised at how people respond and and making sure like i think for me it got a lot easier when i could explain myself
0: um, yeah and well very... when you know you know like yeah. i think that that's part of it too is like i felt like i was going through the situation and i was communicating but it was like fibromyalgia then it was Lyme then it was ankylosing spondylitis and it like even communicating to anybody became difficult because i i was like i felt like i was this person that was consistently coming out with new illnesses but the thing was is that i was figuring out what was going on in my body. And like, so I felt like it was hard because I went through a spine surgery at the company and they're thinking, oh, she's going to be better now. And then like, I'm not because I progressively got so much sicker after my spine surgery, which happens when you have a physical trauma. But I- I think I just want to put my nutritionist hat on for a second, because I did get a lot of people recently reaching out to me asking, saying that they don't have motivation with a chronic illness to prepare food, saying that they're struggling from a healthy food perspective with all of their um, allergies and, and issues. And so I just, I think your point about bringing your own food is really good. And I do think we need to talk a little bit about what people can do, because once you get past the, I'm not embarrassed. I think that prepping and making sure that you have enough food that you can eat snacks, everything you set yourself up for success because you also don't want to eat something and then feel like crap the rest of the day when you're at work. So like, do you have any suggestions for what people can do or what you tell clients to do in that situation? Yeah. Just
1: load up on snacks. I mean, I, I always, no matter what, have a snack in my purse, have a snack in my backpack, in my desk drawer, always make sure you have- Yep, snack. in the car. Yes, yes. Because- like,
0: God forbid you get in traffic. I always <laughs> have nuts in my car and snack, which Rob <laughs> thinks is ridiculous because he thinks I can't go on a- Fifteen minute car ride without having snacks, but like I can't. Like it's car a snacks. Trip. Car road snacks trip. are necessary. <laughs> yeah, God forbid you get into traffic. Like if snacks. you're
1: trying to balance your blood sugar, like you have to make sure you have snacks. Yeah, you can't go totally. without eating.
0: Totally. totally. Oh my so God. What are some of your favorite snacks that are easy for people to make? I think are well making. I I would say
1: like as far as like buying things, like mm-hmm. I would always have like RX bars around. Mm-hmm. Um, little like jerky bars and maybe like I, I don't really go anywhere without Siete chips. Uh, yes, so good me, because I think too, going out to eat with coworkers is such a big thing too. Yes. You know, trying to make sure you're still a part of the community and the social aspect of having a job and. and yeah. It's difficult because when everybody's like, "Well, where can we go?" and I'm like, "I, I can't eat there," you know. It's yeah, it's tough, and I it think is. that kind of comes with time of becoming comfortable, and and that's not going to happen overnight. But Mexican food was always a pretty easy one for me because it's like yep, I could fajitas. just bring, yeah, I could bring my siete chips, have mm-hmm. salsa and guacamole, feel like I'm yeah. part of the crew. And yeah, fajitas, you, it's pretty easy. You just want to make sure like the meat's not marinated in butter ahead of time. A lot of mm-hmm. fajita places will add butter to it. Um, and that's what makes it sizzle when it comes
0: out to the table. Oh, that's interesting. I always ask them not because I don't usually eat that much oil. So I usually will ask them not to make it with oil. And then it's mm. interesting, but it doesn't taste as good. So that makes sense that it's <laughs> butter.
1: Yeah, Duh. but you just bring those Siete chips in your purse, like yeah. bring them out yeah. and yeah, it's just feels like you're eating the same thing as everybody else. And same with like things like Chipotle now, like I can kind of get away with eating a Chipotle. They have cauliflower rice. and so I mean, it's not like you're ever gonna get the cleanest food when you're out eating. but in general, like I think it's ideal to have things meal prepped ahead of time that you can take on the go for breakfasts or lunches. and I would always yeah. make like muffins and bring them in a little baggie and bring them with me, or yeah. Um, but some of the, my favorite things I ever got to do were, and I'm sure you've done this too, where it's, I make like a paleo dessert or something yeah. and bring it up to work or bring it up to the studio and be like, eat this guys. Like you'll never yeah. believe, but,
0: but eat that. This. It is. I know. I love doing that with like vegan and plant-based stuff. I do that actually to my dad a lot. Like I'll be like, Oh, like taste this. And I'll be like, ha ha. It's vegan <laughs> yeah, um, suckers. Yeah. yeah. But I think your point about socialization is really, really important because it is a large part of a lot of people's jobs. And obviously we're not living in a time where that's like a big deal. If people are doing virtual happy hours, like what, no big deal. But like before then, like for me in my industry, trade shows are a really big thing and people go to trade shows and they go to team dinners, they go out drinking. Um, and it's like a really big deal. And so like something that I started doing when I became completely sober and Alcohol sober, I would just make sure that I got a club soda mm-hmm. with a lime. So people would think I was drinking, or I would just have something to do with my hands. Like, I remember being at a team dinner about a year and a half ago, probably the last time I was actually in person with anyone. Um, And I went through like three or four just like seltzers because I was talking to people and I wanted to be able to still socialize and be like a part of it. But I wanted to make sure I had a drink in my hand so that I didn't feel awkward or uncomfortable because it's kind of like weird. Like you start doing the like Will Ferrell thing where you're just like, I don't know. What (laughs) do I do do with my hands? (laughs) Yeah, you're just like, hey, like, you know. (laughs) You don't even have to tell people that you're not drinking. That's what I've learned is that if you just, you know, hang out with club soda, you don't need to even tell people. Cause I've been a part of teams where they're like, I remember doing a whole 30 about five years ago. And I was a, a part of a company that was really, it was a really big drinking culture. And I was drinking at the time. And I was very much a part of their large drinking culture at the company. (laughs) And um, I was, but I was doing Whole 30. So I couldn't drink. And we were in San Francisco at a trade show and they abused me, like abused me for not drinking. It was like, oh, like you're going to come here and like, you can't eat, you can't drink, like blah, 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 like all this stuff. And like, it was terrible. And I stuck to my guns and like, I didn't drink, but it was like, Bad. And so, like, I've just learned that, like, if you just make sure you have a drink, like, nobody even has to, like, uh, just something to consume. I mean, people don't even have to know that you're not drinking, or you can get a drink and just, like, not drink it. That's <laughs> that is sneaky. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's what people who are pregnant have to do and to, like, hide it. And it just, it's, you just have to do what you have to do and you have to prioritize your health and well-being over the relationships that you're building and there's there's absolutely no reason that you shouldn't be able to do both at the same time.
1: And at the end of the day, I think you also find out who your real friends are mm-hmm. because if somebody's going to make you feel bad about not doing something, like they're not really your friend. So totally. it kind of helps you learn like who to keep at arm's length and who to just be professional with at work and who you're going to be honest with. And yeah. so, yeah, I think I did the exact same thing with club soda and lime always. Like you always just have something in your hand and, and it makes things a lot easier. Yeah. But I think we all kind of learn what helps us cope and get through These weird times and Mm -hmm. ideally, you know, we could all work from home and, and there are periods of time where I think you do really have to prioritize what your body is telling you and if you can't be around people all day talking all day like there were years where I would go home at night and by 9pm my voice would be gone. Like I couldn't even talk to Justin after work. I'm like, I'm so tired. I gave all my energy to work. And mm-hmm. it's just finding that balance. And I know I learned a lot of ways to help me throughout that time. Yeah. And some of them is really just taking advantage of the weekends alone, like that mm-hmm. time to recharge. And even if you do want to go socialize, sometimes you just got to take that full
0: day where you rest yeah. your body because your body needs it after like yeah. five days of work. Totally. I mean, I was kind of feeling like I started to be, I was using so much of my energy to be this person that I wanted them to think that I was at work because I was already like being so challenged there. And I was like trying so hard that by the time the weekend would come before COVID, I would just be like dead. And like, there was no there was no balance, like no work-life balance, you know? So like, I think, yes, definitely taking a day, but also making sure that you take care of yourself when you get home Mm -hmm. and things like that so that you don't also completely torch the weekend. And then all the weekends, by the time you feel better, it's Monday and you're like, okay, so this is my life now. Like it's, it's hard. Yeah.
1: And, and like, sometimes I would even, go to sleep really early and then like wake up early in the morning to have time to Mm -hmm. like do stretches or make sure I prep my meals. Like if you're too worn out in the evenings and just prioritizing sleep, prioritizing eating the right food, because if you're not, you're going to be more tired at work and prepping things ahead of time to make sure that you don't have a slip up over the week. That's going to totally derail your progress. And Mm -hmm. it's just a lot of, a lot of prep work, a lot of balancing, a lot of management and Sometimes I would even take my lunch hour to just mm-hmm. eat eat by myself in my car and like meditate or yeah. do my DNRS practice. And, you know, luckily nobody would judge me for that. Like, I think yeah. I was kind of scared for a while of like, I'm just going to go do my own thing when everybody else is like eating together, socializing yeah. and I wouldn't do it always. But if there was a day I, I could tell I was more tired or detoxing or whatever, I like. I'm just gonna go out to my car, take a little nap, you know, and yeah. just go do my own thing and 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 recharge on my lunch hour. And sometimes that would be my saving grace. It would just get me through the day.
0: Yeah, or just like movement, you know, get out and go for a walk. When I worked in the city, I would always go out in a lunch hour, even if I brought my own lunch. Like I would bring my own lunch, eat it, and then I would just go outside and sort of walk the streets or go. When I was in Brooklyn, go sit by the water, which is where we shot. You know, I. I really feel like you need to get up and move. So, even if you are home or you're in an office, like make sure that you sort of, you know, walk around, get some movement in. Things that have been really beneficial for me have a lot to do with managing chronic pain while dealing with work. So, this is both relevant to me working from home, but also when I did have to commute and work in an office environment, I feel that because I have inflammatory arthritis, I actually get more pain when I am sitting and I'm just like in one position, like same thing with sleep. It's actually what causes some pain and stiffness when you have things like AS, but that's one of the triggers, right? So Some of the things that I've done is one is getting up and walking around. Like I had just said, another thing that I've done, um, over the years that has really been helpful is wearing compression gear. So I wear compression socks. Sometimes I wear them on my arms because of like typing or leaning on your, your elbows, Sometimes I will wear arthritis gloves, which sounds really ridiculous, but you're typing, you're holding your phone, you're doing a lot like the copper ones can actually reduce pain and swelling and stiffness for people that have things like arthritis. Um, And then I wear a back brace and I wear a hip brace. I don't always wear them together. It depends on what's sort of bothering me, but I would say that my hip brace, when I was commuting, I would literally wear it under my jeans into the city, totally like every day I would wear it. It made such a difference because what it would do would hold, it would hold my pelvis in place. And so my pelvis would, would slip often to one side, which is like, if you ever go to the chiropractor and they're like, Oh, one leg shorter than the other. And like, you have hip pain. That's usually why is that your pelvis is if you don't have a strong enough core, and muscles it won't hold it in place and and I don't because I don't get to work out as much as as I you know would like because I'm often you know not feeling great I wear that when I'm sitting so there's things like that that you can do people can get ergonomic chairs you can get special shoes like I say that like don't be afraid of the support tools like it does not make you a 90 year old person to wear them. You can wear everything super chic under your clothes. I'm wearing compression socks right now. I'm doing it right now. I'm wearing my belt and I'm wearing my compression socks and you can't even tell. Yeah. No, you look amazing. And so professional, might I add. (laughs) So professional. I know this is, this is how I roll, but seriously, like those are the things. And when I'm home, you know, and working and people can't see me, I have, a headache hat that some people that follow me on Instagram have seen. It is an eyesore that you cannot get away with people not noticing. Um, but I like to just, I like things that I can like kind of strap onto my body or put on like a hat. Um, and it's a nice fact that I wear as a hat. And sometimes I've literally been on meetings where my camera is not on and I am wearing it because I have a headache and yeah. you got to do what you got to do. Yeah.
1: Or even like heating pads or like yes. a heating blanket things to just keep you cozy in your workspace. And my favorite full-time job appliance is a portable mini crock pot. And I don't know Ooh. if anybody has seen this thing, but it is my An favorite Instapot thing or something no. different. I'm going to go, heard of this. I'm going to go get it just to show you. So happy we're doing this. Okay. Let me say so, this is my all-time favorite appliance, the mini crock pot.
0: I have never seen
1: that, or heard of that yeah, pot. this is not an ad, um, but it comes with this little like plug. Oh. So the plug comes out and you open it and there's like a little, there's a little heated bowl. Does it
0: take a long time to make stuff like the Pot, or does it just heat stuff up like automatically? Like, so if you brought a soup or something, it would just heat it up within it like a couple minutes. Yeah. Oh, so it takes cool. about
1: an hour to like heat all the food. Okay. So every day at eleven o'clock, I would go into the fridge and pull it out and plug it in at my desk. Oh, and it doesn't smell like because all the like lids and stuff keep the, all the smells inside. So it was so nice because like sometimes my healthy food, when you heat it up in the microwave, you know, Brussels sprouts or fish, you know, it's
0: sometimes yeah. a little self-conscious. To yeah, it's embarrassing. When I was paleo. And not vegan like I am now. Like I remember bringing like hard boiled eggs to work, and it's like the worst thing. Like that and like tuna fish, is like yeah. you are the devil. Um, <laughs> but things like salmon and all that stuff, like it is definitely a lot easier being plant based.
1: <laughs> yeah, and and I I pay so much money for my high quality food yeah. that it almost feels like a sin to heat it up in a microwave. Like every time I do, um, it just doesn't taste as good as when I cook. Yeah, it. do you
0: have a microwave in your apartment? Yes. yes. Okay, I don't. I am oh. an anti I'm Good an anti-microwave you. person. I know.
1: I mean, hey, like there's radiation that exists. Like I you know, we don't understand yeah. the whole spectrum of what EMFs do, but Yeah. And I wish we did. I wish there was more science behind how it affects the body. It's there. And at the end of the day, food just doesn't taste better in the microwave. So if I can avoid it, I'm going to. And this mini
0: Crock-Pot is like my
1: best friend.
0: That is so cool. And you know, what's really, really interesting is that one of the things that I suggested to some of my clients is utilizing frozen food. And, you know, as somebody who has spent most of their career working in the food industry, I have really watched sort of this really interesting path of the frozen food category. And, you know, before you kind of would see frozen food, you're like, oh, it's going to be mushy. Like if it's vegetables, it's not going to be good. And now there are so many healthy brands who are getting into that space. And especially with COVID, it's booming because people were stocking up on food and frozen food. So I am like a really big proponent for, Getting frozen foods. Like, I have some stuff from 365, you know, which is the Whole Foods brand that's just quinoa and vegetables, can easily do that. So I don't have to like, come home from a job or do something where I can't prepare. Cause I know that that's an issue. A lot of people have like time to be yeah. able to just heat it up in a pot, heat it up in the microwave, heat it up in the oven, vegetables, you can get frozen. They're just as good. They do hold their freshness. It's like perfectly fine. Um, if you are paleo or AIP primal kitchen is a brand that does frozen bags of meals that you can just sort of you know, put on a tray and, and make. So I suggest doing stuff like that for work or for dinner when you have worked all day and you come home and there's like nothing you could do. Like you're not going to cook a five course meal for your family. And you still want to make sure you're eating healthy stuff and not just like resorting to ordering out because there's nothing that's there. Cause that's what we do, right? There's nothing in the fridge, nothing in the cabinets. I don't want to cook anything. I'm tired. I'm chronically ill. I'm just going to like order in, which is okay. But if you're really, really focused on your health and your healing, getting a frozen meal is not the end of the world. Like it is not, we are not living in the TV dinner era anymore. Like we are living in a time where there is good frozen food. And and I say, utilize it, like make your life easier if you can.
1: Yeah. I grew up in the Walmart universe of the South and I remember the first day I saw paleo frozen meals at Walmart. So yeah, Melissa Hartwig, now Melissa Urban, who started Whole 30, collaborated with a brand that works at Walmart and got these frozen meals that are paleo-friendly at Walmart that are like five dollars. And I was like, Woo, we are the future.
0: Like yes, things are changing. It's, yes, it's it's available and it's it's out there. And I think people should utilize that because that is a way to be able to easily have your food prepared. Another thing that I always tell people is is things like grains. Um, you know, quinoa is one of the only plant based foods that is entirely a full protein, has all the amino acids. You can cook up a thing of of quinoa. You can cook up some rice, keep it in a container in your fridge, scoop it out when you want to, and make all kinds of different things with it you know, cut up veggies and put them in containers, cut up fruit so that you have things you can easily grab without having to do the extra work of cutting it. Like just dedicate one day, like a Sunday, a couple hours to just cut everything up and just prepare and just cook a couple of things. And then you don't have to worry about it all week.
1: Yeah, yeah. Those kind of tools are really what's gonna make your life so much easier when you have a job. And those are one of the first things I recommend to clients is like, just make sure you have the food around and your life is going to be easier and more convenient. And in the long run, all of these things can really help you get better faster. And I think that yeah. that's something people are so scared of and and insecure or self-conscious about at a work environment. But I mean, unless you have to make the sacrifices and like change your lifestyle, there's not going to be any way you can get to the point you want to be. And and so there has to be a way to change. And like hopefully some yeah. of these recommendations can kind of help you guys ease into more of a healing lifestyle, like with your nine to five. And, and I hope that this kind of stuff, I'm not sure that there's anything else I wanted to mention,
0: you know, I kind of second that. And I hope that it really helps people um, because we just don't have a choice sometimes. And and there are other people whose jobs are being parents or taking care of parents. And there, there there's so many different things that we have to do. And just the whole thing with chronic illness is that, you know, we try to heal and we talk a lot about healing, but there are some things like autoimmune that are just not going anywhere. And that's just the reality of our situations. And what I really focus on a lot is managing it, working around it. And so I hope that some of the tools that we gave you will help you to manage your symptoms. And if there's anything that you guys are wondering about or you need a little extra assistance on, like don't feel afraid to reach out to us, you know, through our Sick in the City podcast. Or if you want us to touch on any points, we're happy to to talk about it, but I I do think it's something that you always have to be prioritizing your health, number one, um, because you can help other people when you are not doing well. It's that whole thing about you can't pour from an empty cup. So make sure you fill your cup up and then you can help other people.
1: Yay. Fill your cup, folks. (laughs) Fill
0: your cup. Yeah. But I think now, I think we're ready to kind of get into hot gas and, you know, talk about some fun stuff. So are you ready to talk bachelor finale? I, I feel like it's, this is a hard one.
1: I am ready. I'm ready. Okay. And I have a lot to say. Um, but do we need to start off with the bet? Because yes, might as well not beat around the bush. It's time for me to sing. <laughs> yes. Okay, so we were actually joking like a week ago that um, Part of Your World from The Little Mermaid was one of Amanda's and my go-tos of just like singing around the
0: house. And so I know this song backwards and forwards, so I'm just going to sing a little bit of it. Yes, and this was because our, we are, are so freaking connected. I mean, I we talk constantly, but it's also that one morning I was randomly singing Part of Your World. Yeah. But anyway, I was singing it to myself and then Mel sent me a video of someone singing it. And I was like, oh my God, that's so funny. I was singing this all morning and she was like, me too. And I was like, we have issues. (laughs) We We are like beyond. So I was like, when you sing to me, this is the song I want to hear. Spiritually connected. I've literally never
1: serenaded anyone. so. What do I do with my hands while you're singing to me? Should I like I'm I I'm just not should, gonna
0: look at you. Should I hold a banana? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Okay, just okay. be you. Just don't okay. look at me. Just you be, don't have okay, to. Okay, I won't at me.
1: look at you. Okay. <laughs> okay. Oh my god!
2: <laughs> I have my eyes closed. Look at this stuff! Isn't it neat? Wouldn't you think my collection's complete? Wouldn't you think I'm the girl, the girl who has everything? Look at this trove, treasures untold. How many wonders can one cavern hold? Looking around here, you'd think, sure, she's got everything. I've got gadgets and gizmos aplenty. I've got who's its and what's its galore. You want thingamabobs? I've got 20, but who cares? no big deal. I want more. I want to be where the people are. I want to see, want to see them dancing, walking around on those, what do you call them? Oh, (laughs) feet. (laughs) Flipping your fins, you don't get too far. Legs are required for jumping, dancing, strolling along down a, what's that word again? street up where they walk up where they run up where they stay all day in the sun wandering free wish I could be part of that world (laughs)
0: yay (laughs) that was so beautiful you are just thank you so much I feel honored (laughs) I feel amazing. That was wonderful. You were I thank just- you for
1: doing an interpretive dance.
0: <laughs> I, I is who I is. I can't. I have to. I am very good at interpretive dance, actually.
1: Oh, my um, God. Yeah. But that, that really happened because Rachel won the freaking yeah. finale. And I didn't yes. think this was ever going to happen. And to be honest, there's been so much drama surrounding this season that it's mm-hmm. it's been really overwhelming. And like, I don't watch this show for like this kind of drama.
0: Yeah. Well, had he not picked her, we wouldn't be dealing, it it wouldn't be drama. Had he picked Michelle, this whole situation and all of the stuff that's been consuming it would be an issue because it is an issue, right? But it wouldn't be as big of an issue because- we would have just been like, yes, you made the right choice. There is no, she is not someone who said things that she shouldn't have said, done things she shouldn't have done. Like this is, you know, go off into the sunset, but because of the background and the controversy surrounding Rachel, his choice of Rachel was just, I don't even know what to say because, like, now where do we go from here? Like, then they broke up. Like, it was just yeah.
1: I honestly feel so bad for Matt. He's mm-hmm. in such an awful situation, mm-hmm. and I think that obviously it was time for some changes in this franchise, and I think this just really brought it all to a head very, very quickly, and. Mm-hmm. I am proud of what they're trying to do and the education they're trying to provide because I do think it is very necessary. And I mean, the majority of the people that watch the show, like are white, like, to be honest, like, and I think that that's why when Emmanuel Acho yeah. who hosted got onto the television screen on Monday night, he was like, just so you know, this is going to be uncomfortable for a lot of yeah. you. Yeah. Because these are yeah. topics that have not been discussed in American homes, and and obviously mm-hmm. like Rachel, who was what he said, um, racially insensitive.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: Rachel was what he said racially insensitive and ra- racially ignorant. Yeah. Um. And so they covered all of these very important topics, and yeah. to me, I I mean, it was just very ed- educational. But I also mm-hmm. watched this this man who's just been heartbroken. Is embarrassed, yeah. is confused, is left with like, where do we go from here? But I mean, I know you and I said like, we both kind of had a hard time like getting through yeah. that finale. It was so heavy and yeah. honestly like uncomfortable, hard to watch. Like, and there were yeah. these long periods of silence
0: that I think yes. were so powerful. Yeah. And deafening, deafening. Deafening. Like deafening silence. And, you know, I will say that the, the, racial insensitivity and the education around that is so important. And I will say that that didn't make me uncomfortable. What made me uncomfortable, and I think you'll agree, because like you and I are both very, you know, in tune with what's going on and we're both very sensitive people in general. And I think what really bothered me as an empathetic person was seeing the pain Mm -hmm. that Matt was going through and, even the pain that Rachel was going through, because I do feel like what she did is wrong. And there's no defense of that. And she is sort of getting her just desserts now, but watching a relationship with two people who love each other have to be separated because of the choices that she made. My heart was just breaking for both of them because it just is so, it was just so freaking sad. Like, yeah. Oh, like, and she has so much learning to do and so much work she has to do on herself. And he sort of like, let me give you space to, to do that. And I think the lesson that, that is also learned is that when they, people go on the bachelor, there's really not a lot of background that's done on these people. And so like, he's dating in a, in a funnel, right? Like there's no he doesn't know this person he's assuming and relying on ABC to be able to provide him with people so that when you're making a choice, you're making a choice out of good and and better. And also good, you know, like you're not making a choice based on like knowing all of these things. And so he made a choice. Now he's led to like deal with it. And then he wanted to support her and be there for her. And then I think his point was that like, once he started realizing how it was handled what actually happened. I think he was like, I, I can't as a, as a black man be with the person who didn't realize those things. Like they had done those things. And then you said to me, the lack of acknowledgement, Uh, like she still did not understand why that was such a big deal.
1: Yeah. And I think something really powerful that Emmanuel also said was that he doesn't agree with cancel culture, but he does agree with accountability Mm -hmm. And I think that that's something, that's a theme I think we all need to take, especially in this time, in this day of age of cancel culture being everywhere um, is like, we all just need to be held accountable. Like we don't, you know, instead of attacking somebody online, like, like somebody just needs to hold their decisions into their own accountability Uh and like, and decide if they need to change and, and that's on them. And obviously she's learned her lesson. Um, she lost a lot of her life and I think that this This is is just a big lesson for, for everyone everywhere that hopefully not just in the bachelor alone, but everywhere in the country, we can take this information and like grow and learn. And I think that's, I'm also intrigued about their choice with the two bachelorettes because yeah that's something we can talk about. And I, I'm so excited. I love Michelle and Katie, but they Mm -hmm. have never done two seasons of the bachelorette before and that threw me
0: off. Yeah. And I, and I was telling you too, like, I almost felt like after this season that I don't know if I'm going to watch the next seasons. I probably will just because we talk about it and just to kind of, Remain culturally relevant, mm-hmm. but I don't really want to. And I didn't really want to watch the rest of this season, to be honest, because I don't really feel like it's actually about building relationships and building love. And, like, you know, I'm watching obviously Love Island, which we talked about last episode, it's a ridiculous show, but the people form real relationships and some of them are still together. And I know that's happened on The Bachelor, but it hasn't happened in a long time. And it's because all these really young people are going on it. they are people who are influencers and all this stuff. And they really just want to be on TV and get to paradise and all this stuff. And I just don't want to be a part of that anymore. Like, I don't want to be a part of like that kind of like fake promotion. Mm
2: -hmm. Like, I just
0: don't, I'm not into it. Like there's something really gross about it. And I will say with how ABC has handled everything, there's something that's a little icky with it too, is like, I almost feel like they should have done this stuff such a long time ago and they should have done it before the world was telling them to do it. That's the issue. So now you're going to have, you know, now you're going to have two bachelorettes because, you know, and Michelle is really great. Like, I don't think she has necessarily like the right personality to like be the bachelorette, like, because she's not like super, super bubbly. Like she's actually very chill. And I, and I love that about her, but it's not the right like TV persona. And then it's kind of like, why are they doing it? Are they only doing it now because they're under a spotlight?
1: Part of me kind of worries about that because and like, even in the finale, I don't know if you realize this, but throughout the the voiceovers, when they announced uh-huh. like Emmanuel Acho is going to come on and, and yeah. do it after the final rose, it was Chris Harrison, like saying that. And so they, even though he said, like, he's going to step aside, and not be a part of the show or whatever. Yeah. He was there recording a voiceover for the finale. Like he was there. He's constantly there, like overlooking everything. And I really, really hope, you know, things can change for the franchise. But obviously, like, yeah. I think everybody's a little nervous and, and maybe that's why they're like, okay, obviously our seasons of The Bachelor aren't working out, you know, yeah. like, because the past, however many, there have not been a successful relationship that have come out of that. Yeah. Matt James, Peter last season, um, cold in the season before that, none of them have ended in engagement that worked. Like it's just been kind of
0: a shame, but not even ending in engagements and it's because they're so young. And the problem too, is that it's not changing with the times. So it was normal to get engaged in your early twenties, 10 years ago. It's not normal now. It's not the same. So why aren't they going with the times? Bring on women and, and men in their thirties, mm-hmm. early thirties, late twenties, who have careers, who have lived through things, who, because what keeps happening is they're like, well, I'm not ready to get engaged. And it's like, well, this is the premise of the show. Like yeah, get with it or get going. That. Yeah. Like- yeah. <laughs>
1: Like, I think that's kind of why I'm excited about Katie because she's 30 mm-hmm. and I do, th- I mean, she was my favorite this past season. I was mm-hmm. like, if anyone, I want Katie to be the bachelorette yeah. and I'm, I'm very excited she gets to be, cause I think she's very authentic. She's real. She's funny. She's like like there to support other women and Mm -hmm. be her like she (laughs) she has an IGTV that we both saw of her talking about how she shit her pants and that was a big inspiration for us last week because (laughs) we all have been in that boat together but I'm like I love this girl and I love that they're gonna give her this opportunity to be her real self and be silly and I think it's kind of gonna remind me of Caitlin Bristow's season Mm -hmm. because she was very like do what I want to do and screw you guys if you don't like it So I think that'll be fun, but I am very confused about why they're having both of them for two seasons. And, and honestly, like, it's sometimes nice for me to get that, like, break from the end of Bachelor in Paradise to The Bachelor. I'm like, I need to, like, get a refresh from all this. And yeah, but now it's just going to go the whole year. Like, sorry, dude. Yeah.
0: I don't know how much I'm going to participate, to be honest. (laughs) Like, I just can't give two hours of my life every Monday. Like, I mean, I missed the spring breaking championship on Monday because I was watching this, like, really hard thing and like now I'm gonna have to re-watch that but like the point is is that <laughs> I just I I don't know how how it's going so I mean yeah. people send us your thoughts I I really want to know what how other people feel about the the finale yeah will
1: you still be watching did it yeah. make you like are you guys turned off from the bachelor franchise at this point because I think we're all just getting a little like, whoa, okay, like what's happening? Like, I wish I could continue to support this, but everything's feeling very calculated lately and I don't know how I feel about it. So unfortunately that's that, but something we, both of us are doing, that's really fun right now is rewatching how I met your mother. And I just started kind of watching gossip girl recently. Cause I don't know, I've been kind of bored with the new stuff that's been out as far as shows. And I am loving watching how I met your mother this time around because There are so many New York City references that yeah. I had no idea about ever when I first watched it, and now I'm like, oh my god, like I know all of these things. Yes, and yes, and
0: the bar exists. I don't know if you know that, but we no. should go when. And- <gasps> yeah, it does. It's called something different. Rob, Rob knows it. I, I would have to ask him what it is. But again, yeah, there is a bar that it's there. It exists. So we definitely oh should go god. there once. Wait. Yeah, the pandemic kind of finally gets. Comes to a close if ever. Um, But yeah, I sort of watch How I Met Your Mother as sort of this like ongoing background of our lives. Like I probably watched it like six times all together. And right now, Rob and I are probably at season five, I think. We kind of Mm -hmm. just watch it maybe after we watch something heavy or we just feel like watching it and having a laugh. So I love to do that. And I also watched Gossip Girl a few months ago.
1: So yeah. it's yeah. like so much worse than I remember. Like like in a, just like a acting yeah. and- storyline sense I'm like
0: yeah and they're just terrible to each other and you just like watch it and you're like how do you people still like how are you still friends when you continually do terrible things to each other like it does get hard to watch with all of the like background like stuff that they do to each other like it's crazy
1: we'll see how far I get I really just wanted to like see all the city scenery now that I'm like becoming more familiar with everything. It's just, it's way more interesting. Cause I'm like, I've been there. I've been like, like it's just totally so fun as I get to know the city and like, like Marshall and Lily on one of the episodes we just watched mentioned something about where they were going for their nine year anniversary, Mm -hmm. like to this like Berkshire, like Apple farm bed and breakfast or something upstate. And Justin's in my nine year anniversary is this year. Yeah. And we were like, maybe we should go do that. Like how funny would that be? Cause we're here and yeah,
0: like I love Marshall and Lily and I feel like we are Marshall
1: and Lily sometimes.
0: So (laughs) Yeah, it'd be fun. It's so good. Like all the quotes and everything from there. Like, I feel like Rob and I sort of just like operate under like how I met your mother and friends, like just, just like that, like sort of runs our life. So yeah. And there's not too much happening in the world of TV, but I know that you watched a new movie, Mm -hmm. uh, Cherry. Yeah. Okay, you know, I can't pronounce correctly. So, <laughs> Cherry. Cherry, you watched Cherry. <laughs> so tell us about that.
1: Yeah, real quick. This movie is on Apple TV. It's with Tom Holland, who most people know him from the Marvel Universe. He plays Spider Man. And he's just this cute little British guy. He's also in like Peaky Blinders, like a lot of, Mm. he's all over the place. But this is the first really intense movie I've ever seen him in. And the trailer didn't give anything away. So it intrigued the hell out of me. It's like a drama for sure. But all I knew from the trailer was that it's like a love story. He falls for this girl, he meets in college and then he somehow ends up going to the army. And then he comes back and somehow gets involved in bank robbery. And- I was like what is happening but it was like a very visually um visually stimulating movie like it was so well written and well produced and Tom Holland just blew me away and if you like like intense dramas uh give it a try. But mm-hmm. if that stuff you can't handle, there is some like drug addiction and abuse in the movie that is kind of hard to watch, but like if you're a fan, yeah, it can be very triggering. And, but if you're a fan of like some good acting and a really well-made movie, I highly recommend it. It's two and a half hours long, which I didn't wow. expect,
0: but that it is so long. Good.
1: Like it, the whole okay. thing was good. I'm here for it. And then okay. I know you watched coming to America, right? Yeah.
0: So on the total other end of the spectrum, I watched Coming to America too. I love the first one. I just love Eddie Murphy so much. Like, you know, Rob and I were really into watching his old stand up like a few months ago and just like I just love him. So we did a little marathon. We watched the first one, then we watched a second one it was okay. Like, I don't know, like these sequels, it's just like, I feel like we just can't let things die sometimes. But I was really, really excited to kind of just see him in something and and laugh. And it was just light. It was like maybe an hour and a half, hour 40, like really, really short. We also watched Tom and, Tom and Jerry like a a, a few weeks yeah. ago.
1: Yeah, we kind of just- wanted to
0: watch that. Yeah, it wasn't good. I I have not seen a good movie in a long time. And so that was sort of my takeaway was like, God, I have not seen like a really good movie, like a really good like comedy that wasn't like stupid or like Mm -hmm. a rom-com or just like a really good movie that's new in a really long time. So I am like aching for that. Um, So Coming to America was just okay. Like, I I don't really know. So yeah, I'm not... I think if you really love Coming to America, just watch it so that you can kind of like see the story continue. But yeah, I mean, I haven't really been big on movies since I've been watching so much TV. So that's really it.
1: I've heard very good things about Raya and the Last Dragon, the new Disney movie that came out. Uh, Mm -hmm. I have not watched it yet, but I've heard good things. And next weekend on March 26th, there's a teen drama movie musical coming out on Netflix called One Week Away. That hmm. honestly looks like a mix between like high school musical and camp rock. And so, you know, I'm gonna be watching that. Yeah, um, for sure. My birthday's the day before. So, maybe I'll like sit down and force Justin
0: to watch it with me. Like, it's my birthday. We yeah. have to watch well, this
1: teen musical.
0: <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely need a recap. Recap on that one. Yeah, definitely. But I mean, I think that that's all of our hot gas for today. So, you know, really hope you guys learned a lot from this episode and, and could take a lot from it. And again, I'm just going to say, like, if you, you know, have anything else that you guys really want us to cover, want us to talk about, please, you know, make sure to send that to us on Sick in the City podcast on Instagram. And, you know, if you really like listening, make sure to subscribe and leave us a review because it really helps us out. It helps us get more visibility so other people can see us. And that is all of my shilling for the day. So we'll see you guys soon. Yay. Stay healthy.